Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word? All right, if you're ready for the word, we're going to be opening up our Bibles tonight to the book of First Chronicles, okay? We're going to be going to First Chronicles, and uh, I'll go one or two little places before we get there. But tonight, our, our uh, message, the title of our message is Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Uh, you'll see where we're going with this in just a moment. But you know, life is full of wonderful moments. Just think about it. Life is full of enjoyable adventures. Life is absolutely full of happy memories, and it's sprinkled with some trying times. But by and large, as we look at life, life is wonderful. God has intended it to be wonderful. God encourages us to seek and enjoy our, our, um, our blessings. And the Bible says for a man to enjoy the blessings God has given him is to realize that they are a gift from God. And even though life is sprinkled with a few trying times, the book of Genesis tells us and gives us the account of how God designed the earth to respond to us. How that God uh, uh, designed the earth not just to respond, but to respond favorably to us. You know, uh, God designed the earth so that when we sow something, we reap it. We have an expectation. In fact, the expectation that God gave us was that He intended the earth to be a, um, um, a place that was safe, that, uh, you know, that, that nature would be a safe place, you know, that, that, that it would be supportive and, and, and that the earth would sustain us and that it would, it would be valuable to us. It would work with us and work for us. That's how God designed the earth. And uh, it, it, it would be an environment that we could depend on to be fruitful. God uh, designed uh, uh, mankind in the earth to multiply and replenish the earth. That means to keep the earth going with all the good things that God uh, uh, put in the earth. You know, that we should, uh, in fact, He told Adam to cultivate the garden. We should cultivate those good things. We should take advantage of the opportunities that God has given us in cultivating the goodness of God. Uh, you know, uh, God instructed Adam and Eve also to subdue the earth and to subdue and have dominion over everything that he had created God intended for our life to be fairly simple the pattern of life is simple God said that as long as the earth remains day and night summer and winter seed time and harvest shall not cease from the earth God created in us an expectation that when we sow, we you know, wait a reasonable time and we expect to reap from the things that we sow. The labor that we provide, we expect to return from that labor. You know, uh, uh, for example, you know, if you go to work on Monday, you might have to wait until Friday to get paid for that hour you worked on Monday. But you have a justified expectation that if you give something, if you do something, if you work with something, if you sow, if you involve yourself, that you have a justified expectation according to God's creation that we would expect 
a return. We wait for a reasonable season and we expect a return. And, uh, you know, God even made this promise to mankind through Noah. And, uh, and uh, we should have justified expectations in life. Life is designed to be fruitful. Life is designed by God to be good. Life is designed by God to be filled with wonderful moments. Life is designed by God to be fruitful. When we plant a seed, we expect to reap a harvest. I I, I don't want to keep hitting this, but it's important to realize that God intends for the earth and for creation to respond to us in a favorable way. We sow in hope, we wait in hope, and we reap in hope. We hope that the fruit of our labor tastes good, and we hope it's enough. We hope it satisfies us, and we hope that it provides enough for us to eat and also for enough for us to sow back into a future harvest. That's what God has given us to expect. God further created mankind uh, not only to be fruitful, but also to live in peace with one another. You know, God gave us an expectation. God gave us a reasonable expectation that we should live in peace with our neighbors, in peace with our friends, in peace with other nations. You know, uh, life is designed so that every person is born into a family. And when you are born in a family, there should be a presumption of safety. There should be a presumption that the family is going to care for us, that the family is going to take care of us, the family is going to care about us, that the family is going to love us and provide for us, that the family is a safe environment, that the family is, is, is intended by God to last a lifetime. That should be a reasonable assumption, a justified expectation. This is the way God designed life. Life was always, even from the Garden of Eden, life was always intended to be a time of work. You know, we were, we were designed to work. God intended for life to be filled with work and filled with purpose, but also have boundaries and limitations. God expects the earth, even in a perfect world, He told Adam and Eve to till, to cultivate, to tend, and to guard the garden. He also gave an expectation of boundaries. Even though it was a perfect world where there was no sin, there were still some do's and don'ts. God said, do be fruitful, do multiply, do replenish, do subdue, you know, have dominion. But he also said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There were limitations. There were boundaries. You know, there were expectations. They, they, they had a reasonable expectation that God would communicate with them, that they would walk with God in the cool of the evening, that they would understand His will. It is a reasonable expectation that we understand the will of God. Uh, I assume that, that we are all familiar with the fall of man. You know, Genesis 3, you can read it. You, you may remember, uh, you know, uh, uh, if, if not, let me encourage you to read it, that, that uh, Eve was tempted by a serpent in the Garden of Eden, by the devil. She was tempted by the devil to distrust God. 
It was a deception. It was, it was a lie. And this has been the sin since. The great sin is to, you know, still to, to, because of Eve's deception, the whole world entered into a period, a, a, a parenthetical time, if you will, of deception. And uh, uh, when Eve was tempted in the garden, uh, she said, I'll choose what I want instead of what God said. She was, uh, she was tempted to, to distrust God. She was tempted to, to feel as though that she knew what was better for herself than he did. And, and when uh, she ate of the forbidden fruit of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and gave it to her husband, sin was born. And along with sin came trouble in this place we call home, in the earth. Trouble came. Work became more difficult. You know, immediately God said to Adam, now you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. And now the earth in these moments will not respond to you like it would have responded to you because something has happened. You know, he gave... As, as I have heard some say, uh, and, and, and I might offer this as a picture, he gave the earth to Adam and Eve. He created it for mankind. And he gave them authority to have dominion over everything. And they submitted their lives to the devil. They decided and chose to trust the devil instead of trusting God. To trust in their own way instead of trusting in God's way. And when they did, they lost their right standing with God. Sin was born. And when sin was born, a new leadership took over the earth. A brand new leadership. It was the devil, Satan, the prince of darkness, called the prince of this world. Jesus called him a liar and the father of lies. He took over the earth, and the earth became a place where he set up his rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, and demons and, 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 and uh, his minions uh, became the leaders. And uh, all of a sudden, as I said, work became more difficult. Pain became a reality for the very first time. Families began to be divided over personal issues. Jealousies uh, led so much so that, so that Adam and Eve's son killed his brother over the division, over being deceived, over the birth of sin and the flesh. And families uh, 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 began to be divided over personal issues. All the work of the devil, all the work of darkness because of the new leadership in the earth and loss due to death became the future for all mankind. Because of sin, man also lost eternal relationship with God. And the earth, along with its inhabitants, began to suffer. God never intended suffering. He did not design us to suffer. He did not design us 
to have sickness and disease and worry and fear. He did not design us to suffer the ills that we have seen over these last 6,000 plus years. As I said, the prince of this world began to take pleasure in bringing sickness and infirmity and disease and pain and drought and famine and all kinds of problems to mankind. Why? Because we are created in the image of God and these demons hate God and they hate mankind. Demonic spirits spread lies. Demons create hardships. They have been successful in this world in dividing nations, causing war, and devastating families. Even in families that you would imagine are perfect, the devil is trying his best to bring division. Yet in all of this and all of the devil's attempts to destroy peace, to destroy hope, in all of this, God has raised up men and women in every generation who know Him and trust Him. God has raised up generation after generation to serve Him. And then He sent His only begotten Son to save mankind from their own sin. He established a church and created a family in the earth so that people could find help. He gave us the Word of God. He gave us a Holy Bible wherein is His Word to us, holy, inerrant in all of its intent to bring us His will so that we might understand what a great God we have. The devil has tried to destroy our trust in God and His Word. He tries every day to take us off of our trek of believing God, of praying, of hoping, of, of confessing the Word, of, 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 of having peace with God by putting things into His hand so that that peace we sow, that mercy that we sow, that joy, that patience, that long-suffering, so it continues to create within us fruits of the Spirit that overwhelm the nature of the human flesh. Jesus said that as long as we are in this body, as long as we are in this earth, we shall experience some amount of tribulation, testings, trials. He said this himself. Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, tells of so many men and women. Men and women of faith like Enoch, and Moses, and Abraham like Rahab and like Rachel and you know uh, who believed God like Mary despite their circumstances they believed God instead of looking at the situation they decided they would reach a little farther. They decided they would continue to hold on to the precious promises of God that he would never leave them, never forsake them. That he would help them through the trials many of which Hebrews 11 says that they suffered. They suffered violence, holding on to their faith in God, knowing what Jesus knew when Jesus was facing his moment of great trial, 
when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and praying great sweat drops of blood, whenever he was crying out to his father, whom he knew better than anyone else ever knew. And he cried, Father, if there's some other way. And yet we find out that he conquered those moments in his life as he said, not only not my will but thine be done, but as the writer of Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured. He went through what no one could ever imagine going through, especially if your father is God, knowing that God created us in his own image. He filled us with his own spirit. He granted us audience in the heavenlies. He has given us an eternity. And yet, the suffering that we see that Jesus encountered and endured, the Bible says he found a place where he understood, I'm going through this with God, not without him. I'm going through this for the joy set before me. I cannot imagine. Hebrews 11, verse 32, 3 and 4 says this, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Wow. They're right there. Aliens are right there in the book. So you can believe CBS now. Wow. Isn't it amazing to remember all of these great men and women of faith who yet are in heaven today? The Bible says waiting to receive the promise. Since the fall of man and the birth of sin, the devil has, has, has attempted to destroy our faith. He's attempted to destroy our hope. Our faith that we have in God in an eternity and our hope that we have in this life. Knowing that Jesus cared about us in this life and cares today about how we feel. About our health. About our hope. He cares. He finds food for the birds every day. He dresses the lilies in much more beautiful garments than what we possess. The devil has tried to destroy our faith. He's tried to destroy our hope. But he has not been able to stop us and he never will. Through threats, pain, loss, through the things that many have suffered, Yet the children of God have triumphed, as we read in Hebrews 11. When we are tested, when we are tried, we come forth like gold. There is an account in 1 Chronicles, where I asked you to turn earlier. There is an account in the 11th chapter of 1 Chronicles, which occurred just after David 
who had suffered so much at the hands of King Saul. This man who had slain Goliath as a young boy. This man who had served as a captain of the armies. This young man who could play the harp. This young man who, who wrote the Psalms. Who killed the bear and killed the lion. And, and this young man who had such integrity had suffered so much at the hands of King Saul that when King Saul died, it was expected that he would be made king. Yet he was not except over one tribe, the tribe of Judah. In the town of Hebron, in the region where David had been born, just north of Hebron in Bethlehem. Here, this one tribe recognized David as one of their own and crowned him as king. But the whole rest of Israel, the other ten tribes of Israel, would not allow him to be king, would not recognize, recognize him. In fact, they chose another king. And for seven years, these two nations were still at odds. This whole family, the family of Jacob, the children of Israel, the children of God, separated at odds. This nation deeply divided seven more years. Seldom is something more heartbreaking than a divided family, especially when your name is God. Seldom is there something so heartbreaking. Nothing I know of more heartbreaking than to see families divided, fighting at war with one another. You can imagine how God felt about his family. As I said, seven years later, 1 Chronicles 11, verse 1, Then all Israel came together to David at Hebron, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. What happened? Well, you know, things can be bad and divisions can, can happen and, and problems and, and moments and trial and tribulation and difficulties and disappointments and all of these things can exist, but it does not spell the end. Don't think and don't let the devil try to manipulate you into believing that you are at the end. When you feel like it's over, you give up. When you feel like it's over, when you feel like there's nothing can be done, then you feel powerless, you feel lost, you feel abandoned. The devil will have you where he wants you. You see, it's not over because someone else says it's over. Stop treating the relationships that go sour, the trouble that, that, that occurs, the difficulties that, that you face. Stop treating them like they are the end. Jesus didn't do that to Peter. Peter tried to do it to himself and Jesus wouldn't let him. Just because someone else says it's over does not mean it's over. Don't, you know, things don't have to end with your last disappointment. 
they came back to him and they said, David, these ten tribes, Israel, your bone of our bone, we, we, we are of your bone, we are of your flesh. Verse 2, also in times past, Israel said to David, even when Saul was king, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord your God said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over my people Israel. You know, after some years, seven years in this case, after seven years of reflection, the people who did not like David realized they were wrong. God has a way of bringing a consciousness, yet we are so tempted to treat it like it's over. You see, God has a way of bringing people around with time. Give him time and give him something to work with. Don't make it worse. My first bit of counsel for people that come to see me that are having difficulties is often I just say to them, I say to them, I leave them with one thing. Don't make it worse. Whatever you do, and no matter how bad it is, believe me, you can make it worse. Just don't make it worse. Give God time and opportunity. That's what they did. They, 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 they realized you were really the one. You were the one that, that, that really blessed us. You were the one that protected us. Verse 3, therefore all the elders of Israel, remember the ones who did not like him, who did not choose him? All the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. Then they anointed David king over Israel according to the word of the Lord by Samuel. Wow, according to the word of the Lord. You see, God has the last word. When God says something, you just give him time. You give him opportunity and just watch and see what he will do. He knows what he's talking about. He knows the end from the beginning. Samuel had been dead for many years, yet the word of God that came through Samuel was still alive. The writers of this word have been dead for many years, yet the word is still alive. The promise that God gave you through someone else, they may have gone on to their moment in heaven, and yet the word of God is still alive. God watches over his word to perform it. Verse 4, And David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, which is Jebus, where the Jebusites were, the inhabitants of the land. Now listen, just because your last problem is over and David's last problem was over, Israel would not recognize him. His last problem was over. Now Israel recognizes him. They wouldn't let him be king. And God said through Samuel, you're going to be king. Samuel anointed him with oil and said, you're going to be king. And, and you know, I mean, it, 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 it was the word of the Lord, but yet it had been years, 23 years at least that he had been chased by Saul now another seven years it had been you know perhaps 30 years since he had been anointed to be king over Israel my goodness now he is you would think problem solved well that one was <laughs> but you know just because your last problem is resolved does not mean you won't encounter another one the devil tempted Jesus in the Judean desert. And the Bible says when the devil could not succeed in tempting Jesus, very interesting here, it says that the devil left Jesus looking for a more opportune moment. He was looking for the next moment that he might could tempt Jesus. The next moment that Jesus got busy or was alone or, 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 or you know, uh, something, you know, he was looking 
waiting for a better time. You know, there is a prince of darkness, a prince of this world. And I don't understand the legal things that God runs the universe by. But it seems to be a very standard practice that he is dealing with sin and the devil in a way that he has designed. And that he has, in many ways, decided how he will process this parenthetical moment. And as we are in this world, but not of this world, we are subject, the Bible says, at times to encounter tribulation, testing, trials. The Bible says that Jesus heals the sick. Well, Jesus made it plain that you need to be sick to be a candidate for healing. We don't want to imagine that. But he said, I did not come. For the, for the healed, the, the, the healed need no physician. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I pray I never have another difficult encounter. But I thank God for the healing I have experienced. And should ever in the future there come a need for me to pray and trust God, I'm going to do just that and hang on and give him time and give him opportunity. That's all we can do in faith, trusting in the grace of God. This last problem David had was not his last problem. Verse 5, then the inhabitants of Jebus said to David, you shall not come in here. You shall not come in here. Wow. Next problem, you know, all of Israel and Jebus is in Israel. All of Israel made him king. But here the Jebusite said, not here. Not here. You're not coming in here. <laughs> nevertheless. Come on, everyone. Say nevertheless. nevertheless. Yeah, that's something you, you need to start uh, you know, imagining. Nevertheless. 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 David took the stronghold of Zion. And that is the city of David. He made it his own. His own. He took it, claimed it, stood on it, lived there. Look, somebody else's word's not the last word. God has the last word. Nevertheless, we cannot allow ourselves the luxury of believing the devil's narrative. Don't rehearse it to yourself and you know, don't believe it when other people rehearse it. We think what we think, we feel what we feel, and we want what we want because we believe what we believe. And if you are believing a lie, you will want the wrong thing, you'll think the wrong thing, and you'll feel the wrong thing. We cannot afford to believe the lie you know uh, the devil will lie to you about everything he will he will say you can't do it and then he'll turn around and say oh you did it you're the one you did it he will tell you lies about everybody he will tell you lies about everything he tries to be the first one and the loudest one in your ear he tries the devil tries to keep you up all night worrying it's not God. God's not, God's not there uh, in, in, in that moment trying to keep you up and cause you to worry and give you all the problems and tell you all the reasons it won't work. If you are staying up at night listening to all the reasons, rehearsing all the reasons it won't work, let me tell you, you need to find a sleeping pill. Get that turned off. That's the devil. That's worry. God's not trying to convince you that he's got no power. 
God's not trying to convince you that, it, that you never go to Jesus and say, Jesus, can you help me? Oh, no, I'm sorry. You've really messed that one up. It's over. Nothing I can do. Sorry. Next. You'll never hear him say that. You'll always find from him the next step. It'll always be full of grace, full of patience, full of mercy, full of joy, full of peace. You'll always find a next step into his will when you go to God. When you're hearing God, he's always going to give you a next good step. It might be a step of peace, a step of mercy. He might say, just trust me. He might say, it's going to be okay. He'll never say, oh, it's going to be horrible. Oh, you're going to not make it. Oh, it's going to be so difficult. Oh, you don't. No, that's the devil. Learn the voice. Jesus said, the devil's a liar and the father of lies. Push back against the lies that try to make you afraid, that try to rob you of joy and peace and hope. Push back against them. Well, as for me, I'm going to refuse to believe what the devil is trying to sell me. Thanks again for joining us for another exciting message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.